What's going on, everybody? You're listening to Small State Big Takes presented by House Enterprise. We have a message from our friends over at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Whether it's a college football bet, an NFL bet, or all types of sports bets, the DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. If you use the code SSBT and bet $5, you can instantly score up to $200 in bonus bets. Listen to the episode to hear more information about this DraftKings promo, but if you're a new customer, head on down to the DraftKings Sportsbook, use the code SSBT, and instantly score those bonus bets. Enjoy the episode, and remember, the house always wins. And welcome back to Small State of Big Takes. This is episode 259. I don't know where Stephen O. Scott is. But with the same group as last week, consistency. The best ability is availability, and so far, so good from these three right here. So, gentlemen, how are we doing this Monday evening? This is even on time this week. True. How about that? Good as it gets. We're, we're hitting a, we're on a roll here. We need to I, put out the, uh, the bat signal for Steve, though. I don't know. Has yeah. anyone... <laughs> I don't know. He said he would be available. He said he'd be home in a half an hour and then uh haven't heard from him since. So I don't know, man. Um I've noticed uh people definitely prefer from a listening number standpoint when we are on time. So uh we gotta do better effort being on time. I know it's hard these days. Everybody's busy, but gotta make time. We gotta, we gotta we're we're for the people, so um you guys want to get the uh, the uh, Red Sox and Wakefield stuff? You want to, want to address that first, and then we can you know lighten the mood after that. Yeah, that's fine with me. I mean, yeah, kind of uh, shitty just to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tough to even. Yeah, it is. Um, the Red Sox season's over, but the nobody really cared about that at that point because. Really, just an hour or two before the game, you find out that Tim Wakefield passes away really out of nowhere because up until really Kurt Schilling being a diabolical human being, just ruining their invasion of privacy on like, what was that, Friday night or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you're, I don't think any of his health was public knowledge and uh, getting stripped of that really sucks. Um it's not overlooked either. And I think all of us, uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, but we've all been affected by um, cancer in general. Mm-hmm. Um, most people have. And if you haven't, um, unfortunately, it's usually just a matter of time because for a long time, for 25 years of my life, I was, you know, nobody I knew got affected and then boom, boom, bang. It happens out of nowhere. Um, it It's the most evil thing in this world um, just truly sucks. And Wakefield was fan favorite, teammate favorite, just an embodiment of uh, of the Red Sox. So seeing that happen so suddenly was was really, really tough. Yeah. It, cool to see all the people. And again, not that we're surprised by it, right? But just seeing everyone from <laughs> enemies on the field to – longtime teammates to even just for a couple of years to like certain guys even like jose canseco tim wakefield was yeah. beloved. and uh now what a what a special dude i you know what i i feel a little bad i wish i appreciated him more when he was on the red sox 
I think at times it was easy to overlook him and just be like, oh man, we got this, this old guy every, every fifth day. And uh, I think uh, in Connor, uh, Connor Ryan, one of our friends said something to the effect of like, man, it always felt like, I think you always saw him at Fenway, which I always was kind of like, man, I kind of want to see Josh Beckett. It's like, <laughs> and we, but that was Wakefield. He was just so yeah. consistent. He was always out there. He was just, he'd give you 200 innings almost every damn year for what 17 year long career. So what, what a, just a great class act too, on and off the field. Um, still obviously with like the Red Sox organization, uh, which is pretty cool to see too. Even, even with the Red Sox making that statement after all the, the BS with Kurt Schilling, like just shows how much uh, the organization means to him and how much he means to the whole Red Sox organization. So now kind of tough, tough way to close out the season. Yeah, it was um, for my family. Tim Wakefield was definitely a staple, and it was kind of funny, right? Like my mom was a huge Jason Veritek fan, so whenever Jason Veritek wasn't catching, which was when Tim Wakefield was pitching, it was almost like my mom needed a reason to love the Red Sox, and it was Tim Wakefield, like, and it was just like the charisma and stuff that he brought to the team. I mean. Because believe it or not, like even though, you know, we had guys growing up like Poppy and I mean, Manny and like all these big charisma guys like Wakefield was one of those guys. And I think you can see that even if you really weren't an invested fan from everything that people are saying and the number of people that, you know, are talking about it. So it's just kind of crazy. I mean, like Oliver said, you know, everybody's affected by cancer one way or another and um it's just sad man it's a horrible disease and you know it takes people way too soon so it it sucks so that's it yeah it's it's tough um everything that has needed to be said i think at this point has been said about him and it's one last thing before we move on i it's kind of the same thing just like everybody knew him we in my household when it, when he pitched it was shaky wakey day because you never really knew what you were gonna get. Um, <laughs> often shaky, but always always there, always pitching. Sometimes he let up nine. Sometimes he'd look like how do people even hit this at all? Uh, the knuckleball. <laughs> and although George Kirby is kind of a weenie for his comments a couple weeks ago about getting pulled, uh, him throwing just an absolutely filthy knuckleball in honor of Wakefield uh, on Sunday, you know, again, just a couple hours after learning about it was, was pretty dope. Um, And just to what you said, Gilly, you mentioned like the extent around the whole league, it's not just like the Red Sox, you know, you see the Orioles giving a moment of silence. You see, of course, the Pirates making a statement and announcers across the league. Don Orsillo, of course, was hit pretty hard by this. And, um, his his reach goes far beyond just the Red Sox. I, he was a pillar over there at uh, Dana Farber and the Jimmy Fund. He's it, everything you hear about that is he's him and Brock Holt are the two favorites that come through that place every year, and not just during like Jimmy Fund telethon time. You know they they're there year round. So they lost a good one. We lost a good one, and um, it's brutal. It it sucks, but um. You know, ho- hopefully that that family can, uh, you know, that family would all the support that it, that that they need from the organization. I'm sure. So, 
Um, I think mm-hmm. uh, that's all we want to say about that. Unless you guys have any anything else before we move on. I would just add one quick shout out to like just his dead. Like it just sounds it's crazy. Like the story of him even just getting to the big leagues, which I think that over time I kind of forgot and lost perspective of because he came up as a first baseman in the Pirates organization, <laughs> couldn't hit a lick. And so I think I saw that was like he batted 192 in his the last one of the, the last minor league seasons before all of a sudden he converted into like pitching and with the knuckleball in particular um, in just like kind of eight innings for years in the minors. He didn't debut until he was 25. He had a great first year as a pirate. Um, and then he came back the next year and got rocked for a 5.61 ERA. He spent an entire 94. He was basically out of the bigs, just working on his craft in the minors. Um, and then he ended up in with the Red Sox organization in 95 and kind of didn't look back, right? So just that's that's just a testament to what kind of a, a dude he was, right? To just he didn't matter. He wanted to to make it happen one way or another. So many guys would have too much pride and say, you know what? No, I'm gonna go down swinging as a first baseman. He was like, you know what? No, I can I can try this out. I can do this. And then even when he got blown up for one year, I was like, oh, maybe he's at maybe he's done. No, he's just he's like a 27 year old just grinding in the minors trying to work his way back. So that was kind of rehashing all that was was kind of a, a cool thing, um, at least for me to kind of remember um, his career when we were too young to remember realistically. Right. It's not like we knew him when he was a, a pirate or anything. But yeah, no, shout out to Wake. Knuckleball dancing. That's how I, I always love that, too. I feel like every dad was just like, ooh. <laughs> hey, I don't it's, know. It's yeah. dancing today. I don't know. Because <laughs> I saw someone say say that. I'm like, wow, I can just hear my dad saying that. Was that a broadcast thing that every dad just picked up on? It was like, it's dancing. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. just kind of funny. But uh, man. That's yeah. tough. it's tough, man. It is tough. Um, uh, let's stick with baseball, but we'll move on to a, a little bit happier times, even though the Red Sox aren't playing in the postseason. We do have postseason baseball now. So um, let's let's run through some predictions. And um, any – well, I guess before that, any any thoughts on the end of the Red Sox season? There's still – no announcement on who's going to take over. There's some, some whispers on some people, whatever, whatever. But until then, um, I don't, I don't really have any thoughts. I haven't really been paying too much attention the past couple of weeks, to be honest with you, since I'm kind of got canned. My, my interest in my radio listening to the games has plummeted. Um, I feel you. Plus no one had, I feel like everyone's just throwing out obvious names that with no legitimacy. There was like a day of Twitter where it was like Mike Hazen, and then immediately the D backs and Mike Hazen were basically like, No, like, or okay, Theo like Epstein, same yeah. thing. No, it's like, God, uh, all right, review. We can just wait it out and be like, just figure it out once it actually is happening because it's pretty impossible to predict. Although, you know what? The one thing I will say, did you guys see the Cora stuff? Cool. Which stuff he said he's he's been saying a lot of stuff the past couple of days. Fair. Um, but the stuff about that he is not ready at this time for the GM role slash a front office job. Yeah, I think he I him. think he still thinks he has unfinished business as a manager. 
No, no, I, I, I get that, but it is interesting. It feels like it was on his terms, though. That he's like, no, I don't really want to do that yet. So it's like that is interesting to think that that's in the cards. And I feel like we've known that he's not going to manage forever. He didn't. He's kind of been straightforward with that. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. So a few years from now, he probably is the candidate. I don't think I would mind that, to be honest. A tra- uh, transition role there, and then I at this point maybe I'm short sighted, but I feel like Veritex the next manager and waiting for whenever that time comes. At this point, the fact he's still with the team every day, he's bench coach, bullpen coach, or whatever he is, is uh, I think I think the writing is on the wall there, especially because. Cora has mentioned that he doesn't want to manage forever. He's like, I know I don't want to do this for decades because uh, he wants to, you know, he's a family man too, big, big time family guy. So um, I, I even if that were to happen this offseason, I think I'd be here for the experiment, honestly, because Cora has been a guy that I think being in the manager role and being, he's been really frustrated the past couple of years with the pieces he's had to work with. Uh, especially like out of the bullpen aside from this year and just getting guys that value versatility over the actual ability to play a position like Kike and and among others that they've been brought in uh, over the past couple of seasons. You know, they, they had one of the worst defensive run save seasons in like defensive run save history. Uh, not a good year for for the defense, so I'd be fine with that, honestly. In my personal opinion, I know not to backtrack a little bit, but I would not want Jason Veritek to be the manager here. And I think I've said this before, um, only because he's very good at what he does. Yeah, and I don't want to get him run out of town in any way, shape, or form. And I love the thought of Cora being a GM because then there's like a, a player attachment, a chemistry there in the GM role, in the administration role. But you have to also bring in a character coach. Like the first guy that I honestly think about is Mark DeRosa. Like I would love to see like Mark DeRosa manage with Veritex analytics uh, and, and preparation just and see how that works because DeRosa is a player's coach. He hasn't been doing much of anything, has been scared to take a managerial role, you know? Um, but I think he fits the mold of what the Red Sox are used to with Cora and they'll get a little like a, the best of both worlds, essentially. But nah. Yeah, I hear you. And like, you don't want Veritek to be bad at it because then you're going to be like, fuck, now I'm mad at Jason Veritek. Like, yeah. you know, that I think that goes into it too. Like, you don't want to tarnish that love for him that you have. Okay. I hear you. I, I, I just think catchers make such good managers. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at Kevin Cash, right? I mean, yeah. he's. Wasn't doing Bruce Bochy a manager or a catcher too? Like, yeah, I think so. Like, uh, um, why can't I think Brad Osmus was like he was all right, wasn't he? As he was a second baseman, too, though, wasn't he? I don't uh, remember what Brad yeah. Osmus did. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, maybe he wasn't that good of a manager then. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
quick break for a message from our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Can you believe we survived over seven months without an NFL game? It's pretty crazy, and boy, are we glad that that's over. The NFL is back in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving us a can't-miss offer for the start of the season. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Pretty cool ones recently in terms of uh, the up 10, up early promo, where tokens where you get your bet cashes if the team that you bet on for a money line play cashes out early. Um, it's kind of nice, especially if your team uh, potentially uh, <laughs> loses that lead. Anyway, download now and use code SSBT to sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can take home $200. Again, $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting, betting $5. Code SSBT, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort in kansas 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction this offer is void in toronto please see dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gambling resources bonus bets expire seven days after initial issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply all right back to the pot here all right. I think we're going to have a really, really good postseason. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's relatively wide open. Not going to lie. Yeah. I think the NL might be a little bit chalky, but if we get a Dodgers Braves NLCS, I don't know who would complain about that. The Braves have the hardest road, though. They do. I I think whatever team wins that, uh, what is it? Um uh, Phillies and Marlins game uh, that team's gonna come out hot like and wanting it oh so yeah. especially if Miami wins and I know like towards the end of the season like the Braves were you know kind of just chilling you know kind of skating through the back half after they clinched and they got swept by Miami but in general I, I think once Miami was hot they they just got the mentality you know, and like we're we're going in this thing and that we're gonna take over. If that pitching staff works out, like if they actually amp up amp it up, they will do something in the postseason, which is scary. Um but yeah, I, I mean I think everybody's anticipating Dodgers and, and Braves, like you said. You know, I think the American League is more like the question mark. I agree. But the- every every year we kind of get, you know, a little Cinderella run, some chaos and whatnot. I think that comes from the American League this year. Like last year, Phillies and Padres really had had good runs out of the National League. Mm. Um, the year before that, the Red Sox made the ALCS. Nobody had that happening. Um, 
the year before that was 2021 when the Braves were a wild card team and won the World Series. 2020, who cares? Doesn't matter. 20, uh, 2019, the Nationals went on that run after winning the wild card game off an error and won the World Series. 2018 was really the last year that it was kind of just like the favorites of each kind of got there. The Red Sox were the one seed, although they were kind of overlooked and disrespected because nobody believed in their in their pitching that year, especially. But they made it, and then the Dodgers, although it was one – wasn't like the best Dodgers roster you've ever seen, but they were still the Dodgers and the favorites come out of the NL. So I don't know. I think we're going to get some chaos. I think it comes from the AL. But before we talk about the AL, who do you guys think are going is going to win these wild card series in the National League? I, I'm I'm a little biased here, but I think the Phillies are hot. They have enough momentum. People people fucking need it too. I feel like the Phillies have an unfinished business vibe. Um, even tickets. Did you guys see the? Com- I saw a couple tweets comparing all the wild card game uh, cities. Which again, I forget that it's three games in the same stadium, right? Yeah. For the wild, yep. that's great. I kind of forgot how much uh, seating mattered for that. <laughs> I kind of was like, ah, okay, doesn't really matter who's that first seed. Holy shit, that's crazy. But um, but I mean, it's like tickets for the Phillies start at two hundred dollars, whereas you've got like. $30 tickets in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> a couple other, I forget the other. Tampa. There's ones, right? Yeah, Tampa. Yep. Which I guess like, that kind of makes it, but just like wild though. It's like starting, like literally on my phone right now, standing room is $200, like 170 plus fees. Just like. Yeah. The Phillies know they can pack that house though. So like they can set those prices at that. That's more expensive than the tickets for Fenway though. That, mm. that wild card game a couple of years ago against New York, like true, but that was tickets. One, that's also the, the little bit of a difference, right? Where it's like you've got this stretched out. This could go three games, and it's like all the games are that's. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I agree with you that the Phillies should win that, but from a betting standpoint, um, I did take the Marlins to win. I'm a little because I just don't think that the Phillies with the price. The market price are that that much better, um, because I think the Marlins got the pitching to do it. Honestly, mm-hmm. they've got Lazardo, they've got Perez, like those two. Uh, now they're both young. They both are going to go into a Philly and playoff environment with, like you said, two hundred like dollar tickets for standing room. That place is going to be a madhouse. So how are they going to handle that? I don't know, but we'll we'll see what they're made of. I you know I, I like the Marlins team too, like Josh said. I don't know. I I kind of like them, and they're they're a fun team as well. Hopefully, uh, Luis Arise is going to be good enough to uh, to play full time. Maybe he will DH, but if he DHs, and you got to put some scrubby bum out in the outfield like Soler or something like that. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then from I think the Brewers are just gonna fucking wipe the Diamondbacks. Yeah, even, even without I, Brandon I Woodruff. Yeah, I mean, the Brewers are much more put together. I mean, I like the Diamondbacks team. Just uh, they're young and kind of fiery. Uh, I like Corbin Carroll, um, yep. but yeah, I, I think the Brewers are have a lot more veterans too who have been in a position. 
like that. Yeah, the experience there. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like the Phillies and Marlins, just like experience and veterans versus inexperience, youthfulness. And um, sometimes what you don't know can't hurt you in those spots. Um, but Brennan Fott is pitching game one who like, I kind of like long-term. He's kind of an interesting strikeout heavy arm, but he lets up the, a lot of bombs um, against Corbin Burns, who has a pretty fucking good record in the postseason so far. Um, don't know if you've seen his numbers. He pitched. In his rookie year, he actually came out of relief and didn't let up a run, I think, in like six games or something in 2018. Uh, he's good. Corbin Burns against Brandon Fah, that's kind of a mismatch. And then you should have Freddie Peralta versus Zach Gallon in game two, which on paper looks pretty good, but Zach Gallon will be making his playoff debut in Milwaukee. Like you said, they've been there and done that at this point. So I also just, yeah, I just... The experience will be good for the Diamondbacks, for the whole team, especially because they're this young. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to to muster out anything out there. Three. All right, AL. This is where I think we can we can get uh, some spice going. We've got the Rangers and the Rays. Initial thoughts on this series. In Tampa. Uh, all the Rangers have to do is hit the ball, which they've been doing for the past like month and a half. I mean, if the Rays are great, um, but I feel like if they don't get on base, and like if they have a pitcher, um, if Texas pitches well, like if they throw, I don't even know who their ace is right now because they have a couple of weirdly good guys. Montgomery's going um, game one. Yeah, I mean... Jordan Montgomery, I don't believe in with uh, half a sense, but um, he's been damn good, man. He has been. I just don't. I don't feel it. You're still I not convinced after like three nope. years of him being solid. I understand. He's, yeah, he's not. Sexy. I just don't know. He yeah, doesn't have no. anything good. Like he huh. doesn't have good stuff. Delivery is just so casual, dude. Yeah. Like I don't know, man. There's nothing about. He's got that like no guy. personality. But you know what? He goes out there and he fucking pitches. He does. He does. Um, lit up against the Red Sox. I feel like big moments, big spots, though, for Montgomery. He is he's the Kirk Cousins of. <laughs> it's like not a bad comp, yeah. Random Sunday, and you're like, oh, what's what's Montgomery's lines? Like, holy shit, seven innings. That's <laughs> good for him. <laughs> yeah, the Rays are they're still missing pieces though. They're just not fully healthy. I I don't know if they they're they're I don't know. Glasnow uh, could go out there and win them a game. I think that. They kind of need Glasnow to go out there and win them a game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because after Glasnow, talk about guys you don't trust. Zach Eflin and, and Aaron Savali in the playoffs? I don't know. I'm not buying it. I like the Rangers to win this series, go out there, go into Tampa. Not exactly the most hostile of environments. Um, they've got, in my opinion, they've got the edge in the manager. In the, in the manager. I like Bruce Bochy more than Kevin Cash. I don't know. Um, that might be uh, a hot take or not. I'm not sure. They've got the three best hitters in the series, at least mm-hmm. the three best hitters in the series. Um, even if Yandy Diaz plays, which I'm not sure if he is or not, but even if he does, I'm taking Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and Adalas over Yandy. Adalas over Yandy might be a bit of a hot take again, but that man is a he's a baller, and uh, I think I, I think. Montgomery and hopefully Avaldi game two can go out there and and win it for him. 
Yeah, I agree with the take. Um, I think, like I said, all the Rangers have to do is hit the ball. And they've been doing it for a month and a half on a consistent basis. So what else is there to say? Like, they literally, what was it, like 22 hits against the Red Sox? And yeah, it's the Red Sox. But like that last series, they had like 40 hits or something like that in the series. It's like insane. insane. Uh, They just ended, even though they were already in, like, well, not already. I shouldn't say that because Houston won the uh, division. But, you know, they just acted like they belonged. And when they hit, they hit. And then they put up runs, dude. And then if their pitching's on, their pitching's on. Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Avaldi, like, it's all relevant. (laughs) They are a good team on paper. They are. Their bullpen is what scares me, to be honest with you, though. Yeah, and I like this this Forbes fellow that comes out of them. He, I don't know if you guys have seen him pitch this year, but he's had a really underrated, solid season. But, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I was not. Like, uh, seeing Chapman up there with a two-run lead in the ninth inning would be pretty scary if I'm betting <laughs> on the Rangers because talk about a guy that just melts under pressure. That guy, he's been there and he's done that, but every time – every there's been like he he blew it against the fucking guardians back when he was in chicago he blew it against the astros a couple times when he was with the yankees like he's he's blown it all over the place um the next he's the atlanta series, falcons of baseball there you, <laughs> <laughs> um uh what's the uh the last series i'm blanking for in, in the ao the twins and the jays jays uh, thoughts yep. on that Another good one, I think. Um, I think the same thing applies where if the Blue Jays can pitch well, they'll be okay. But if the Twins can absolutely match and and string some hits together, get on base and have their speed play uh, a factor, then yeah, it's going to be a great series. But I ultimately think that if the Blue Jays can pitch and they do what they do hitting the ball, well, put it together, that's probably the better team. I like the Twins in the series. Do you? Yeah, I do. They're I'm on a 19-game playoff losing streak, and I think that it snaps uh, tomorrow tomorrow afternoon. I think they, they get that win at, at home. Not exactly going to be a rowdy environment, but I just don't believe in the Blue Jays at all. They've been kind of a letdown this year um, all season, especially Vladdy's been, been just not as advertised this season. Power's down, average is down, everything – just you know, ground ball rates up. Gosman can go out there and win him a game, but at the, on the flip side, I think Pablo Lopez has that ability too. Two guys, uh, uh, Pablo Lopez, first time pitching in a playoff game. We'll see how that goes. It's always you never really know what you're going to get with guys making debuts, but at home, it's definitely better making your debut at home than on the road. And of course, you know Sonny Gray is going to go out there and shove. But Chris Bassett has been balling out. He's That's- been good. That's true. And Jose Brios has been had a solid it bounce back. Turned season. it around. Turned it around after the All Star break. That's my boy. Yeah, they've been solid. I, I something uh something about the Twins though. I don't know. Maybe I'm a sucker for Rocco and Sonny Gray, but uh, I, I'm gonna take. I like them to to pull that one out. With uh with a minute or so left here, I know time flies when you're having fun, boys. But World Series predictions: Who be two? Orioles beat the Dodgers. Okay. You're I'm not 
not a believer in the Orioles personally, <laughs> but I've been very wrong about them. They only went over their win total by 25 games. So uh, <laughs> not the only one that was kind of wrong on them. I've got the Dodgers over the Rangers. Ooh. Rangers are the Cinderella team this year. Corey Seager losing. Yep. To his old uh... team. It's unfortunately Mookie didn't win the MVP this year, but he will win the world series. Okay. And that's going to fucking suck to see. I'm going biased pick here. I am going Phillies over the Rangers. Oh, Rangers. All right. I just think that would be a fun World Series, too. It would be. That would be. Uh, who wins in a way where you're like, good for both teams. Yep. I agree. Like run, even just to promote teams spending money. That'll be good for the league if, like, they actually. You know, it's not good for the league about spending money is seeing the Yankees, Mets, and Padres not make the playoffs as a top three spending team. So, that is true. <laughs> it might be fucked Very here. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Good episode, boys. Good talk. We will be back next week uh, with, I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Mac Jones sucks. 